This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg Explain that in order for in order for the material world to come into existence, this is the process of something from nothing, unlike the energy or the spiritual realm, which is something from something, a cause and effect, a chain evolves, like one link to a chain evolves to the next link, and um, from the angels you end up with the soul of the animal, the lion, etc. But the physical body, the physical, the tangible, the sense of touch, this is something from nothing. And that explains why we sense that we're something. When it's something from something, there's something, that, the effect senses that it has a cause. But because we are created that's the definition of the word creation, something from nothing. We sense as if we have no, no cause, we have no origin, we have no root, we have no source. We just exist out of nowhere for no reason. We just are, period. And we feel very comfortable in our own skin. We feel very comfortable in our existence. It doesn't bother us, it doesn't trouble us. We don't suffer from existential angst. We don't lose any sleep. You would think, you would want to know where you come from. You want to know your root, you want to know your source. It would trouble you. The most important question, it should be the most important question in my life. It's about me, my existence, my very being. How do I come? Where is this from? How did this happen? Nothing just comes from nothing. Nothing in this universe comes from nothing. Everything has a reason, everything. It's only logical. At least something from something. I know someone speaks, uh, there's speech, I know where it comes from. It comes from thought that precedes the speech. There's thought, I know where it comes from. It comes from emotions, a feeling, a love, a hate, a something that precedes the thought. A love is preceded by a concept, an idea. Everything in this world has a precedent, has a reason why it's here. All of science is trying to figure out what's the reason, what's the underlying reason. There has to be a reason why something happens. What's the reason? that we don't even wonder, we don't even question, it doesn't even bother us, it doesn't even trouble us. People can go through their entire life and not even once ask themselves the question, where do I come from? Why am I here? What's the point? What's the purpose? What's my root? What's my source? Who created me? I mean, what, how am I here? It doesn't bother us. This is something from nothing. This is creation. This is what we call creation. God created something, the material, the tangible, the physical, the material world, the material universe. It's like a closed system, a closed, self-contained system. Not even curious to know. 
doesn't even have the intelligence to ask or to wonder or to think or to question where, why, who, what. I'm completely comfortable just being something from nothing. And therefore, we sense ourselves, since we don't sense our source, so therefore, we sense ourselves as, as we are something. Now, the Rebbe is going to ask, but the fact is, in reality, in truth, nothing could be further than the truth. The truth is that, of course, we have a source. And we are nothing other than our source. So the truth is that we are nothing. We are not something from nothing. The truth is we are nothing from something. <laughs> because we are nothing other than our source. The truth is we are found in our source. We've never left our source. Our source is within. We are within our source. It's like the light of the sun that's within the sun. When you look at this, this you can't give what you don't have. If the sun gives off light, surely the sun has light. The particles of energy, the light. You can't see it, but they know the light. The light is particles of energy that the sun gives off. If the sun gives off light, surely the sun itself has light. But you look at the sun, all I see is the sun. I can't even find the light inside the sun. It's there, but there's nothing really other than the sun. The particles of light don't add anything to the sun. It's, it's, you have the source. When you're within the source, it's only when the particles of light leave the orb, leave the sun, now you notice the light. You notice the energy and the light and the heat. But the sun itself, when it's within the sun, all there is is the sun. It's there, but for practical purposes, it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean anything. It's, it's in a state of non-being and non-existence. Because all there is, it's, it's within the sun. So if we are our whole being, our whole creation, creating the physical, creating the material, if God, the godly energy, is constantly creating us and has to be within us and has to continuously and constantly bring us into creation, the process of creation is dynamic and vibrant and ongoing. Even for a split second, you can't have the process of creation. If the process of creation would cease for one split second, we would all cease to exist as if we never ever existed. So the godly energy, as we speak, at this very moment, is constantly creating us. As the modern physicist says, the, uh, the energy, the atoms, is constantly being transformed into matter. It's a dynamic process, which we are completely oblivious of. Completely, we don't sense, we don't even realize. We didn't even know it existed up until 100 years ago. But it doesn't change the facts. The facts are, the reality is, that we are constantly being created. So we are within our source. We are within our divine energy that's constantly creating us, that's constantly within us. So the truth is that we don't exist. The truth is we are nullified to our source. We are nothing to our source. We are insignificant. It's as if, it's as if we don't exist. Our whole existence, in truth, in reality, our being is nothing other than the godly divine energy that's constantly creating us and sustaining us. So therefore, in truth, we are truly nothing from something. We are the nothing. We have it all wrong. We call it something from nothing. It's the exact opposite. It's nothing from something. It's not that God created an entity that stands on its own, that's self-sufficient, that has any reality. Our whole reality is, it's not that we're an illusion. 
Just like the light of the sun within the sun, it's not an illusion. The sun gives off light. Surely the sun has light. You can't give what you don't have. But it's in a state of non-being and non-existence. It's with, while it's in the sun, all I see is the sun, the orb. I don't see anything else. doesn't mean anything. So it's not that we're an illusion. When the Torah says God created the world, it's not an illusion. It's not a maya, an illusion, an optical illusion. It's a reality. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And he's creating heaven and earth each and every moment as we speak, this very split second. But what are we really and truly? We're nothing other than the godly divine energy that's creating us, within us, this very moment, this dynamic creative process that is transforming the energy into matter, this very moment. So what are we really? Our very being and substance is nothing other than the divine godly energy. And we are within our source. And we're nothing other than our source. So in truth, in reality, we are nothing. So why do we call it something from nothing? It should really be nothing from something. So that's what he asked now, page 365, in the middle of the page, and although... And although created substance also has naught before him, for everything, including the created yet, is as naught before him. So how can you say, call us creation, that we are a creation, something from nothing? We are not something. We are nothing. We remain nothing. We can't exist for one moment without the godly energy, without our source. So we're constantly, we never left our source. We're within our source. So all there is, really, is that divine energy. So in truth, all there is is really Hashem. How can you say something? We are something. So he answers. Continue. That is, it is essentially non-existent. Insertion by the Rebbe Shlita. Not only in relation to Hashem's essence, which utterly transcends worlds and creation, but also within creation in relation to the energy and light that flows into it. It's not only that we are nothing in comparison to God. God is so infinite, and God is undefined, and God is so transcendent that we're insignificant. That we all understand. But even in relation to the divine energy that's creating us, that's within us, that's constantly sustaining us, even this, so to speak, limited divine energy, that's channeled, as we're going to read in a moment, that's channeled, and each one of us has a Hebrew name, it's, that's, the energy is channeled, and each one of us has a unique divine energy that creates us and sustains us, has its own name, Hebrew name. But even that divine energy, which is our source, our energy, and our life force, and our, that brings us into existence and sustains us, even in relation to that divine energy, we don't exist. We are in a state of non-being and non-existence. Because we are like the light of the sun that's within, the, within our source. We're, we never left our source. We're constantly within our source. Our source is within us. Has to constantly be within us. Constantly create us. Constantly bring us into existence each and every moment. So then, we never left our source. So then we're like completely insignificant to our source. So the question is, he made a distinction between, earlier between, Ilava'alu, something from something when the when or when the 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 feels senses its source and is nullified to its source 
versus something from nothing. He explains why the material, in order to create the material world, it could not be as a result of this evolvement or devolvement, to evolve into something material. Because even if it would evolve infinite progressions, you never end up with something physical, material. Because even if it evolves and it continues to evolve, there's still some relation, still some connection to its source, to its, the previous, the cause that leads to the effect. And then that becomes the cause to the next effect. So there's always a sense of a source. There's always a sense of a... It's connected, like a link of a chain. Every link is connected to the previous link. So there's always a connection to something before that precedes it, that leads back. So there's, even it could be a long chain that goes on infinitely, but still, it, the last link is connected to the first link. So therefore, you could only evolve something spiritual, could evolve from one level to the next level to the next level. From the angels, you get to the, the animal life, but it's life. There's still some connection. It's a spiritual, it's energy, it's... But how do you get to something physical? It could never come about through this progression of cause and effect and evolvement. You can't end up with something material, something tangible, something physical. It's completely cut off and divorced. It doesn't even sense it has a source. This is creation. This is something from nothing. It's completely disconnected. But he asked, but the truth is it's not disconnected. We sense that we're disconnected, but the truth is we're not disconnected. The reality is, not only we're so connected, our very being, our very substance, the material, the very being and the very substance of the material is nothing other than its source, which is the divine and godly energy. Just like the light of the sun within the sun. The very being of the light of the sun within the sun is nothing other than the sun. There is nothing else. All there is is really the sun. So it's completely unified, completely nullified, and one with its source. So the truth is, we are so connected. So even though, in fact, we were created something from nothing, because it can, we cannot come, materialism cannot come about through evolvement, no matter how many progressions, how many chain reactions there are, no matter how far you go, you'll never ever reach a point where you feel completely disconnected. That's creation. That's the definition of the word bara. Bereshit bara, in the beginning Hashem created. Creating something from nothing, meaning a something that's completely divorced, disconnected, feels like it comes from no, nowhere. Nothing. No source. No precedent. No origin. It feels like it doesn't have a creator. It feels like I am. This is the definition of creation. But in reality, on the contrary, to create something like that, to create something that senses that it has no creator, that it, has, it just exists, this is the most astonishing thing. In order to create this, you need a constant divine energy to bring this into existence. It's so astonishing. It's so illogical. It makes absolutely no sense. So to be able to bring about something that feels something from nothing, it, you need the most creative force. You need the most creative energy. So the connection between the, the creative energy and what's created is even stronger 
more powerful, more profound than the connection between cause and effect. The connection between cause and effect, they're connected. One link is connected to the other link, connected to the other link. But nevertheless, it's something from something. Each level is a distinct, stands on its own. That's why you can separate the effect from the cause. The mother gives birth to the child, but the child doesn't need the mother constantly walking around. Even though you may have to tell that to some mothers, but, but the child can stand on their own two feet. The cause leads to the effect, but the effect can stand on its own. The, the emotions gives birth to a thought, but then I'm thinking. The thinking doesn't, you don't need the constant, the intellect, the idea gives birth to an emotion, but you don't need the constant, uh, the, the cause to be constantly bringing the effect into effect. It stands on its own, something from something. So yes, the link, the chain, the links are, are uh, the chains, each link is connected to the other, but each link is a link on its own. But to create something from nothing, to bring about something so astounding, something that's completely logical, something that has no precedence, something that didn't exist before, materialism, physical, that all it cares about is, is ego and, and um, self-preservation and continuing its existence, just being and existing, the physical, the material, which has no reason to be there. There's no rhyme and there's no reason. Why should it exist? There's no quality to it. There's no meaning to it. There's no purpose to it. There's no advantage to it. Something from something has meaning, has purpose. It should exist. Therefore, it exists in its source. Because it should exist. It, it is a quality. There's an advantage. It stands for something. So it should exist, and therefore it exists in its source on a higher form, and then it evolves into a lower form, but it's something that should exist. Materialism, the physical, the material, why should it exist? There's no rhyme, there's no reason it should exist. You can progress endless progressions, and yet you'll never come, you'll never come to materialism. How do you get to materialism? It makes no sense. There's no reason it should exist, there's no rhyme, there's no purpose, no point. There's no advantage of it existing here. And yet, we are. Here we are. The physical. Why? I don't know. And it doesn't even bother me. It doesn't even trouble me. I don't even question it. It feels so comfortable. Ego is the most natural thing in the world. That's what our life is all about. Morning to night, 24-7, continuing my existence. Why should you exist? I don't know. I like it. It's good. It makes no sense. How do you get from spirituality to ego? How do you get from spiritual energy to matter? It's the most astonishing thing. This is Bereshit's Bara, it's creation. It's the most astonishing miracle. It's creation. God, only God could create something from nothing. And in order to create, you need that constant energy. Not like cause and effect. The effect can stand on its own. It doesn't need the cause to constantly... Keep it into existence, bring it into existence. But the creation needs the creative energy to constantly bring it into creation because otherwise it has no justification for existence. It has no reason to exist, it has no justification to exist, it has no rhyme. There's no way you get from point A to point B. It's a complete leap. How do you get from the soul of the animal to the physical animal? 
How do you, how do you make that leap from energy? Atomic energy, which no one has ever seen because it's extra sensory. How do you get from that energy to matter? It makes no sense. How do you make that leap? Why should it exist? Why should this be? This table is 99.9% empty. There's nothing here. But, you know, you bang your head on the table. It doesn't feel like empty. It's, it's, the whole thing makes no sense. It's completely illogical, irrational, and yet it feels so natural, comfortable, real, that anyone who even questions and, and suggests that maybe there's an intelligent design to the universe, maybe God created the world, you're hounded, you're some fanatic from Brooklyn, where did you grow up? Get with the times, haven't you studied your science, outdated science from the 19th century, you haven't paid attention? There's no intelligence, there's no design, there's no, yeah, it's a self-contained universe, we are. But that, that's how Hashem created the world. That's creation. He created something, a, a world that appears to be self-sufficient, self that appears to be a closed system. I, I, I don't need God to explain the system. Just, I can explain it scientifically and rationally, and I don't, need, I don't need... It's not part of the equation. I'm not for, I'm not against, it's just not part of the equation. You can't explain it, though. You know? Well, if you really understand it, we're talking about if you really, if you pseudo-intellectuals, right? But uh, people who are ego, egomaniacs and arrogant and and pseudo-intellectuals are very comfortable and satisfied, and they say we don't need God. Of course, anyone who has innate intelligence, anyone who has a little depth, anyone who has a little soul, has a little curiosity. Modern physics, the way what we understand today, punctures a lot of holes in this in this nonsensical view that there, there's no God and who needs God and there's no way to explain the whole known universe is only 4% of the universe. You know, 96% of the universe we don't even know. We don't even have the capacity to know. We understand that today. We understand the limitations of our intellect. So all roads today are leading to Jerusalem. All roads today, the genuine scientists, not talking about the pseudo-intellectuals who write these books, I don't believe in God. Talking about the genuine scientists, genuine intellectuals, and those who are truly at the cutting edge of modern physics, very open to godliness and to spirituality because all roads are leading to Jerusalem today. You can't be a genuine scientist today and a genuine brain and a genuine intellect and not come to the realization that there's a God. Besides, any five-year-old child understands that if there's a book, there's an author, and if there's a building, there's a builder. I mean, that, that's common sense. Intelligent design is the most elementary, basic, common sense. Anyone who tells you otherwise that this hundred trillion cell Every human being is made up of a hundred trillion cells, every body, that all of this just came about and a big bang and it just happened. I mean, I mean you know, if you believe such a nonsense, it's, it's, you know. But nevertheless, this is what passes today for politically correct thinking in the universities and the colleges and anyone who dares take God seriously and take humility and humbleness and modesty seriously and takes Torah and mitzvot seriously. You're ridiculed. But this is the universe that God created. God created, that's the definition of creation. Something from nothing. We are something. Why? From the box. Um, if we're something from nothing or nothing from something, we have all this energy uh, that's 
constantly within us, can we create something? No. Only God can create. That's, that's the point he's going to bring out. That's the point he's trying to bring out, which we'll learn, conclude later. Only God has the ability to create. It's not within the human, human, not within any created being. Angels can create. Souls can create. Only God has the ability to create. True creation, creation something from nothing. We're not talking about creativity. True creation, something from nothing, is only God has that ability. But it's the most astonishing ability. It's the most astonishing. So to create an existence, a being that senses itself, that's so comfortable in its own skin, that doesn't need any justification, any rationalization, that's physical and material and just wants to continue its existence just for the sake of continuing its existence. No, and, and really has no reason to be, no reason to exist. That's what it means, something from nothing. It doesn't exist in its source. It has no justification, no reason for being. Why? Why, why, should, why should this be here? Why? It makes no sense. How do we get here? It's a leap. It's like suddenly out of nowhere. Imagine you were thinking two, two plus two, you were thinking about apples, and suddenly an apple appeared on the table. I mean, it's like, what's the connection between you thinking about an apple and suddenly an apple appearing on the table? It makes no sense. It's not. It's not a logical progression. A mother gives birth to a child. It's a logical progression. She had to carry the child, and then the, the child emerged. An idea gives birth to an emotion is a logical progression. You, you understand something which gives birth to a feeling. And the next logical progression is you feel something that leads to thought. You think about what you love or what you hate or what you're afraid, you fear. Which the next logical progression is thought leads to speech and speech leads to action. These are all logical progressions. But something from nothing is not logical. It's, it's a complete break. It's a complete leap. How do you get from point A to point B? There's no connection. So in order... This is the most astonishing creative act, which only God can create. So you need that godly divine energy to constantly bring it into creation. It can't, it can't exist on its own for one split second, because we have no right to exist. Ego has no right to exist. Materialism has no right to exist. This whole self-sustained universe has really no right to exist. A self-sustained universe that doesn't even sense that it has a source. It's completely illogical. It makes no sense. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. And yet here we are. So you need a constant divine energy to constantly create it and sustain it. Therefore, the connection between the created and the creator is much more intimate, is much tighter than the connection between the effect and the cause. Even though the effect and the cause are aware of each other. And are close to each other. And there's something from the creator and the created completely disconnected. The created, that's us, completely, are completely disconnected from its creator. We don't even know we have a creator. And yet, our connection is much tighter. Because we couldn't even exist for a moment without our creator. Without the creative energy. That's constantly creating us and bringing us to existence. So therefore, in truth, in reality, we are nothing. From something, our whole being is nothing other than the creative, divine, godly energy. So we are truly nothing. We are like the light of the sun within this, and we are within the source. The cause and effect, you can't say the effect is in the cause. The effect is, is separate from the cause. 
connected to the cause, it senses the cause, it feels the cause, it's close to the cause, it's aware of the cause, it's, n- it's nullified before the cause. Just like the mother, the child is, is, respects the parent, the, te- the student respects his teacher. That's my source, that's my root. That's where I got all my wisdom from. I guess where I got my life from, my parents. But I'm a being, the child is a being apart, is a separate being, a separate entity. But the created is not separate from the creator. The, sep- the, the created cannot be separate for one split second. Its entire being and everything that it has is completely unified and nullified and within the source. Never left its source. So in a way, it's even tighter. It's even more nullified. The created is even more nullified to the creator than the effect is to the cause. So how can you say that we're something from nothing? This is the definition of creation. God created something from nothing. By its very definition, creation by its very definition means that we are nothing. (laughs) Nothing from something, not something from nothing. How could you say that the definition of creation is God creates something from nothing? Which can only come about through creation, not through this evolvement of cause and effect and this chain reaction, because that will never lead to something. That will never lead to something materialistic, materialistic, to our materialistic universe. And our whole mindset, it's, it's also a mindset, this ego, self-sufficient, self-made man. I come from nowhere, and I'm going nowhere. <laughs> I just am. I exist. In the moment. Live for the moment. This whole mindset is so astonishing because everything in the universe senses that it has a cause, comes from somewhere. And that's the logical position. It makes no sense otherwise. And yet this completely illogical position, I'm self-sufficient and I don't need anything and there's no intelligent design and everything, we just are, we just, I just am. I just is. And all of this This whole mindset is so astonishing. This is the definition of creation. So only God can create something that's completely disconnected from its creator, its source. But the paradox is that in order to create something, create something from nothing, the creative energy must constantly be in this created being. If for one split second, the creative energy ceased and stopped creating, we would cease to exist, as if we never existed. So therefore, we're so connected, we're so tight. We're not divorced from our source. We're so connected to our source. We couldn't exist for a moment without our source. We are completely nullified before our source. We are like the light of the sun within the sun. So this negates creation. How can you say we're something from nothing? When in reality and in truth, we are nothing from something. That's the question that he's asking. Continue. The bottom of page 356. This force and light deriving from the kelim of the ten sefirot of Atzurot, Uriya, Yetzirah, and Asiya, into which the kav of the united self radiates. Though we are speaking only of the creative force, the kelim of the ten sefirot that animates created beings, this too may be turned before him 
since within these kilns is found the radiance of the iron soap. And thus the degree of nullification of created be be beings is like that of a sun ray, while still in its source within the sun. While they are still in the orb of the sun, sun rays are essentially non-existent. Therefore they contribute no independently identifiable illumination. Nothing exists there but their source, the orb of the sun, the luminary from which they derive. As explained in Lakuti Amarim, Tanya, part two. Chapter three of Shariyachid Amuna, you can listen to it on lessonsintanya.com. That all created beings are truly nullified in relation to their source, to the same degree as the sun's rays are nullified within their source. In light of the above, how can we possibly say that if creation were to result from Gila and Alul, created beings would not exist in a manner of Yesh? but would be nullified to their source. When in truth, even after they were created ex nihilo, they are still truly nullified within their source, like the sun's rays within the sun. And even more so, they're even more nullified than if it was just cause and effect. The effect is not so completely nullified within, within the cause, necessarily. But something from nothing, creation, the created being, the something is truly completely nullified in its source. Never leaves its source. Can't leave its source. So how can you say, so it defies, it negates the whole creation. Create something. When in truth, it's not something. We are completely nullified. We're completely nothing. Truly nothing. And the answer is? The Alter Rebbe answers, however, this is only before him. As seen from the heavenly perspective, Da'ad Elyon, from which Hashem knows creation, his knowledge perceiving from above netherwards. But as seen from the earthbound perspective, Da'ad Tachon, created beings with a knowledge that, per that perceives from below upwards, created Yesh is an altogether separate thing in this knowledge and apprehension from below. It's true. That is the reality. That is the truth from the inside out, from God's point of view but not from our point of view, our perspective, right? The f be honest, the first time you heard, you learned in the Tanya that we are nothing. Our whole existence is nullified. It's, it's a shock. It's completely counterintuitive. No one, you never heard that before. You never read it in any newspaper. You never heard it in school. You never even heard it in any shul. <laughs> that we are nothing, that we don't exist, that we are completely nullified, insignificant. What, what are you talking about? It's a shock. It's completely counterintuitive. Can I just ask you, I mean, uh, you know, what we just read, this whole page, I mean, you could have done away with it uh, in terms of what you're talking about. I don't understand what... Uh, you know, the Kalim of the Tenshirot uh, has to do, uh, which is the Kav. I, I mean, what does all this mean compared to what you were just saying? No, so that's the point. And not only in relation to God himself are we nothing. Even in relation to the divine energy, which is channeled through the vessels, which <laughs> therefore 
gives us a very specific, limited, so to speak, divine energy. Every one of us has a, a divine energy that's customized to us. The infinite divine energy, the light, goes through the vessels and therefore is filtered through the vessels and it's, therefore we get a very defined divine energy that creates us and sustains us and gives us our character and our personality and our uniqueness. Even in relation to that divine energy, we're something from nothing. Not only that in relation to God, of course, we're all you see, just like you look at the sun, all you see is the sun, you don't see anything else. So if you look at God, all you see is God, you don't see anything else. It's as if the whole universe dissolves and nothing exists. And all there is is Hashem Himself. You're talking about even this specific divine energy that's creating us, even in relation to our divine energy that's creating us. The body, the physical, the material, the created being doesn't exist. All that exists is, is the divine energy. Let alone that the divine energy is completely nullified within God himself. God himself. But here, even in relation, that's what he's saying, even in relation to that specific divine energy that's creating us, all that we are is really that divine energy, and all that is is really that divine energy, that creative divine energy. We don't exist. So the answer is, that's the truth. That is the reality, from the inside out, from God's point of view. But from our point of view, the way we feel ourselves, from our experience, the way we experience ourselves, it's not how we experience it. We experience ourselves Period. We experience ourselves. Even if we learn the Tanya, and even if we learn Hasidism, even if we know and we become aware of this and we start thinking about it and start realizing the truth of it, even if we know the truth, that all there is is God and there really is nothing else but God and we are completely nullified even within the divine creative energy that's creating us. We are completely nullified and we are truly nothing from something. But that's not how we feel. <laughs> We feel, even without the arrogance, we feel very comfortable. We take our existence for granted. That's our starting point. That's our vantage point. That's our experience. Self, ego, self-preservation, I. That's something. That's reality. The more tangible something is, how do children start, uh, start getting to know the world around them? The sense of touch. sense of touch is the most powerful sense. It's real. I can touch it. Tangible. I can know in my mind that I'm getting a, getting $1,000, but when you have it in your hand, it can't appear. <laughs> Knowing abstractly, I can know it, and I know for certain it's coming, but when you have it in your hand, you can't compare to the joy and the certainty of have, touching it. The power of sense of touch. That's our reality. That's our reality. We live in the world of sense of touch. We live in the world of tangible, of ego, of I. That's our starting point. That's our experience. That's what we feel comfortable with. And God is nothing. We call God nothing because it's abstract. Godliness, spirituality, godliness, energy. It's, it's, you know, you can talk to a person. A person could be learning physics. You would think every, you would think that the physics departments in the universities, anyone studying physics would be a very spiritual, spiritual guy. A girl would be a spiritual. These kids would be spiritual. They would be. <laughs> right, they're learning physics and what does one to do with the other? You're learning about all this reality and all this truth that really matter is energy and there's nothing here and, and it's dynamic and it's, it's, it's... What's the impact on us? Zero, nothing. Same coarse, crass, egomaniacs, egocentric people that we were the minute before we learned and after we learned. And knowing that it ends has no effect on us either. <laughs> it's so abstract to us. That's why death is so traumatic to us. You know, we know everyone we know dies, but we can't accept it emotionally and psychologically and experientially. We sense that we're going to be here forever. 
We sense we always existed and we always will be. We can't imagine our not being. It, 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 it's, it's death. It's traumatic. It's an impossibility. It's, it's the end of the world. Only for us. Any, anywhere else in the universe, in the spiritual realm, I mean, what's the big deal? You, you come and you go and you move on. And I mean, logically, it, should be, it shouldn't be so traumatic. You go to sleep, you have a life, you go to sleep, and you move on. And, but, but experientially, egotistically, we just can't accept it. It's like the most the worst tragedy in the world. It is. Because, only because from an ego point of view, that's how we sense ourselves. You can know abstractly and philosophically, but all this abstract philosophical knowledge doesn't change how we feel. If Einstein came to you now and proved to you, right now, proved to you, 10 Einsteins, and proved to you with irrefutable logic that right now the sun was shining, would you doubt for a second that it's, that it's nighttime? Not if it's nighttime, I wouldn't. You wouldn't. I, I but would Einstein is standing. You admit that he's Einstein. And you admit he's the most brilliant mind. Sure. And there are ten Einsteins. And he's proving to you with irrefutable logic that right now the sun is shining. And you're looking and you're saying it's pitch black. I, I'm sorry, with all due respect. You wouldn't even waver for a moment. You wouldn't hesitate for a moment. I'm sorry. I, I, I see what I see. The sun is not shining. But he's proving it to you. But I see what I see. So you can prove to yourself philosophically and logically it all comes to an end. We're nothing. It's all nice. You're proving to yourself that the sun is shining. But emotionally and psychologically and, and experientially, I'm sorry, it's pitch black. <laughs> I, 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 the ego feels very comfortable. And my existence feels very comfortable and feels very real to me. And uh, it's a nice idea, it's a nice concept, but it can't override what I feel and what I see and what I experience. That's how powerful, that's why it's called something from nothing. We know that's the truth. We may even know that that's the truth. Many people go through their entire life and never even heard of this concept. Don't know the truth, but we have learned the truth. We were fortunate enough to learn the Tanya and to learn the inner parts of the Torah, and to learn the soul of the Torah, and to know the deeper truths. Does it have, what effect does it have on us? So it's abstract, it's philosophical, it's an interesting idea. But emotionally, psychologically, experientially, ego, ego rules. I mean, the I feels very, very comfortable. So that's what he says. God knows. From the, the truth is, that is the reality. The reality is that the creator and the created are so tight that we're completely nullified before our creator. The creative energy is constantly within us. We don't exist outside of the creative energy. We're nothing other than the creative energy. Our very being and substance, our substance is godliness. That's who we are. That's the reality. That's the truth. We are within the sun. We are within our divine life source, within a creative divine energy. We're nothing else. And the truth is, honestly, like from God's point of view, all you see is the creative energy. You shouldn't see anything else. You shouldn't even notice anything else. Just like when you look at the sun, all I see is the sun. I don't see the light in the sun. The sun itself doesn't see the light of the sun in itself. All it sees is itself, the sun. There's nothing else. That's the reality. That's the truth. But the way we sense and what we feel, what we experience is, we experience something completely disconnected 
completely divorced, completely disconnected from our Creator. As if, God forbid, there is no Creator. As if there is no source. There's not even a logical explanation why we... And it feels very comfortable. It feels certain. Solid. You walk on the ground, you feel that the ground is 99.9% empty and it's vibrant and dynamic and shifting and changing. No, the ground feels very solid to me. We walk on solid ground. Ego, I, solid ground. That's our reality. That's how we feel. That's how we sense. That's how we live. But that's, that's the, that's our, that is our reality. That's the reality. That's created. God created something from nothing. That's the definition of creation. God created something that feels solid. Even though reality, <laughs> nothing can be further than the truth. In reality, there's nothing solid here. This is vibrating so quickly. This is, this is empty. This is vibrating. This is dynamic. But that's not what we see. It's not what we feel. It's not, we're walking on solid ground. That's the definition of creation. God created something that in reality is so connected, is so connected to its creator and is truly nothing. And yet, we feel like we're walking on solid ground. We feel our egos, ourselves. And we're completely divorced, completely disconnected from our creator. Is there going to be an answer to this? Or? <laughs> First, we've got to learn what, what is creation, what is... Uh... Yes, there's a big answer. Actually, this is all leading to something very, very powerful. It's a build-up to what Dr. Rebbe is going to say, which is earth-shocking. Are you going to get it tonight or not? No, I don't think we're going to get it tonight. <laughs> but it's not so bad, you know. They say, remember in the third, he referred here to the second part of the Tanya, chapter 3. And he asked the question at the end of the chapter, if we're truly nothing, then we, then we should, the reality is we're completely nullified, we're like the light of the sun within the sun, so how do we feel so egotistical? And he ends the chapter with it. And then you finish learning the chapter, and you have to wait till next week to get the answer. The answer is, when you're learning philosophy and you're asking questions it's very, about God, about this, that's very dangerous, because you may fall asleep after the question, and you're going to go a whole week till the answer. So a whole week you're going to be sitting and thinking, does God exist, doesn't God exist, and what does it mean? It's terrible. A whole week you're thinking heretical thoughts, foolish thoughts. But here, it's not, so, it's not so terrible. You fall asleep, uh, you, and at the end of the class, you're going to walk away. What's your question? Do I exist? Don't I exist? Is my whole existence an illusion? If all there is is God, and all that exists is God, there's nothing else but God, there's nothing else but the divine creative energy, and therefore I don't truly exist. You fall asleep on that question, and a whole week you're walking around thinking, maybe my ego is not so important, maybe I'm insignificant, maybe I'm nothing. Maybe I could be a little nice to another person. I shouldn't get so angry and so arrogant and so, and so you know, hot-headed if I didn't get what I wanted because I don't exist. There's no ego. All there is is God. Maybe I can find a little more time to study Torah and do mitzvot and take my Yiddishkeit a little more seriously and do it with a little heart and soul because all the, after all, all there is is God. There's nothing else but God. It's not such a terrible question. <laughs> not so bad to fall asleep with that question if you never find the answer. That's what's troubling you. Maybe I don't exist. You know, that's okay. It's fine. It's a good place to be. Okay, continue. 
A created being perceives itself to be altogether separate and apart from the source that creates it, not recognizing its ongoing dependence on it. So aware that it came into being by virtue of a godly source, it nevertheless considers its own existence to be yesh, which means being, and its godly source, I am, literally nothing, nothingness. This does not mean to imply, explains the Elsa Rebbe, that a created being regards its source as non-existent. Rather, the term ayin has a twofold connotation, incomprehensible. A created being is incapable of comprehending its source. When it calls him ayin, it means that he does not exist within its range of comprehension. B, existing differently. The source exists so differently, so far beyond the pattern of existence familiar to the created being that the latter calls its source non-existent. He, in fact, does not exist within that earthbound frame of reference. We can only understand the world from our own personal experience. We extrapolate from our own personal experience. Could you imagine a, a seventh sense, sixth sense, a seventh sense, an eighth sense? Impossible. You could think of Martian years, a thousand years, you could, you know, if you have a healthy imagination, but it's all, you can't imagine. Why not imagine another sense, like sight, seeing, and hearing? God is limited to five senses. God could have created ten, a hundred, a thousand, a million, a trillion, a billion, zillion. And we, we can't even think of one. Because we can't think out of the box. That's our reality. This is our reality, period. It's impossible. Try explaining a, to a blind person who's born blind. He can't comprehend colors. He doesn't know what you're talking about. There's no way in the world he can begin to understand because he doesn't have any frame of reference. He's never seen in his life. He doesn't know what you're talking about. He doesn't have that sense. So we are very, very finite, very, very limited. Anything that's beyond our scope, which is so tiny, our scope is so tiny, so limited, we can't, we can't even imagine it. So if we are created, something from nothing, it means we don't exist in our source. In other words, we're not, we don't, we're not the same substance of our source. So we don't have our source within us. We're not God. So there's no way for us to understand God. We can't even understand the godly divine energy that's creating us because it's not us. We are something from nothing. We don't exist in our source. So we don't have it within us. If we don't have it within us, we can't understand it or comprehend it or explain it. It's like a closed book to us. It's completely beyond us. We don't have the tools with which to understand. It's not like I'm, I'm not smart enough. And if I learn a little more, I'll grow a little wiser, I'll understand it's not within our realm. We don't have the tools. We are not God, so we can't know God. Just like a blind person cannot know what sight is, what seeing is, because he doesn't have it. We can't imagine a sixth, a seventh, an eighth sense, because we, we, it's not, we don't have it. So therefore we call it nothing. So even if I know and I believe and I know that there's a God and there's a creator, and there's a creative energy that's creating me, but I call it nothing, because I, I don't, I don't have the words to describe it. I don't, have, I don't have any experience to relate it to, to match it, to experience, to express it, to, exp to experience it. It's way beyond, because I'm not God. I don't have it within. And we don't exist within God. 
So, so God doesn't have us within them. The material and physical. So therefore, he doesn't exist in our realm of existence, what we call existence. That's not his existence. So from both ends, from God's end, from our end, from the divine energy, the godly creative energy from our end, we're like we're two different universes. We don't live in this, we're like we don't live in the same planet. So something from nothing. So we call ourselves something. And we call the divine creative energy nothing. Because I have nothing to say about it. I can't begin to know it. I can't begin to describe it. I can't begin to experience it. It's not that it's not there. It's so there, but it's beyond me. It's like the, you know, the, the modern physicist says that we know, our whole known universe is 4% of the universe. 6%, 4%. So our, exists, our reality, we don't have any words with which to describe. We don't have the tools with which to describe our reality. We're completely in the dark. They call it dark matter and dark space because that's nothing. They call it nothing. They don't know what it is. They, 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 they can't know it. Not only they don't know, now we realize we cannot know what it is. It's not that we're lacking in brilliance and intelligence and we'll learn a little more and we'll figure it out. There's no way for us to know. We don't have the tools with which to know. We'll never know. We can't know. It's beyond our comprehension. It's beyond us. That's how limited we are. So we're talking about reality. Science is talking about reality. You're talking about 4% of reality, of your reality. It's 96% of reality. You don't even have a clue. You don't even have any words. You, don't even, you can't even begin to describe. You don't have the tools with which to describe. That's very humbling. So it's a humbling recognition. Something from nothing is actually a very humbling recognition. It's nothing. It's beyond me. I don't know. Not because it's not real or it's not there. It's so real. It's so there. But I, I, I don't know. I'm stumped. I'm in the dark. I don't know what to say. I have no words. I, have no words. I can't even begin to describe. It's nothing. It's beyond me. But I am something. That's my reality. That I can talk with you about. That I know. This I know. This is real to me. Nothing because it's so beyond me. For the force that creates it and continuously flows into it is not understood by the created being at all. The created being therefore calls its source Ion, since he does not exist in its world of comprehension. Another reason for its calling the source Ion, as the author Rebbe now continues, lies in the fact that he exists in an entirely different manner, there being no similarity between created and creator. Moreover, there is no approximation whatever from the one to the other, from the yesh to the Ion, Neither does the relation between them partially or minimally resemble the approximation between an effect, a rule, and its cause, eva. The ayin does not exist at all in the same manner as does the yesh, which it creates. If, for example, intellection were to create a rock, the rock's manner of existence would be so distant and so different from that of its source that from its perspective, it would be immaterial whether it had been created by intellection or from nothing at all. Intellection simply does not exist in the rock's mode of existence. The sense of touch and intellect have no, no relation. There's no connection, there's no relation. 
it's not like it's, 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 you say something, a deep concept, there's a deeper concept, a smarter concept. Within the world of intellect, I can tell you there's a deeper concept, and there's depth, and there's hidden depth. And there's... So it's all within the relation, it's all within the family of intellect. So I can, I can talk about relationship, it's infinitely greater, and it's infinitely smarter, and infinitely deeper. And... So there's some relationship, but there's no relationship between the sense of touch and the world of intellect. I'm not going to tell you that the intellect, is, the idea is so powerful that I was able to grab the intellect with my hands. I was able to grab the idea with my hands, grasp it with my fingers. Or the concept was so deep, I couldn't grasp it with my fingers. It's nonsensical. There's no relationship. In the world of intellect, sense of touch doesn't exist. It, it's, it's a completely different type of existence. There's no connection. So if you're able to create from thinking about a rock and suddenly a rock came into being, there's no connection between the intellect and the rock. And, and, you know, it's, so I would say something from nothing. As from the point of view of the rock, from the point of view of the, of the intellect, this is something from nothing. I, I don't know what the source is. The source is no connection to, to the created being. So the divine energy that creates us is no connection between the divine energy and the created being. It's, it's the existence, it's a different realm. Just like there's no connection even between energy and matter. It's a different realm. Different, what's the connection between energy, pure energy, extrasensory energy, and matter? It's not even in the same realm. It's not no connection. So to get from point A to point B, something from nothing, there's no connection between the source and the product and the end result. Unlike cause and effect. Cause and effect, there is a relation, there is a connection between a, fam a familiarity and a connection and a closeness between the cause and the effect. Ornalu knows and has some apprehensions of its ilah since the ilah, the cause, does, it, does exist in the world of comprehension of the alu effect. The latter is affected by the comprehension of its ilah. Because they're close to each other, they're close in realm to each other. Yes, it's a lower level. It's the next level. It evolves or devolves. But there's a closeness. The parent and the child is a closeness. The intellectual concept and emotions. Intellect is greater than emotions, but there's a closeness. That's why the intellect gives birth to the emotions. So the emotions are affected by the intellect, and the intellect affects the emotions. It makes sense. There's a closeness and... There's an existence, even though they, they're two different levels, they're stages, but the stages are linked to each other, connected to each other, and one has an effect on the other. It makes sense that one has an effect on the other. It's impacted by the other. Because their, dis their realities are not so far apart. They're close enough. Yes, this is the teacher and this is the student, this is the mother and this is the child, this is the cause and this is the effect, but they're close enough to have an effect on each other. And it becomes nullified in relation to it to the ilah, through the knowledge and apprehension. Because you, you understand it, you appreciate it, so therefore there's a certain nullification. The teacher is, the student is, is, respects the teacher. The parent, the child respects the parent. The effect has a healthy respect for the, for the cause, because it precedes it. It's the mother, it's the source, it's the... So they're close enough to respect each other, to have an effect on each other, to impact each other. Yesh, by contrast, 
has absolutely no apprehension of the ayin that is responsible for its creation. It's so distant, it's so not, they're not even in the same realm, not even in the same universe, not even in the same, there's no relationship that it cannot comprehend it. It has no impact, it doesn't even feel it, doesn't sense it, doesn't know it, can't know it. It's completely divorced and disconnected from it. There's no closeness, there's no, so it doesn't, they don't affect each other. They don't impact each other. It's completely oblivious. You're constantly being created, it's constantly within you, and yet you're completely oblivious, as if it doesn't exist. It's the ultimate paradox. And they both come for the same reason. Because it's so distant, and because it's so astonishing, and so illogical and irrational, that's the definition of creation. Therefore, the creative energy has to constantly and continuously be within us and bring us into existence, sustain us. And for that very same reason, we're completely oblivious to it. Because it's so beyond us. It's so beyond our comprehension. It's so beyond our... That for practical purposes, it's as if it doesn't exist. We don't sense it. It's not close to it. It doesn't affect us. It doesn't impact us. We're not nullified before it. That's why we can be created and be completely arrogant and egotistical and even deny that there is a creator. While we're being created. And our whole being and substance is nothing other than the godly divine energy that's creating us. And yet it's like, ah, what, when, where? As if, as if it doesn't exist. It's so illogical, it makes no sense. But that's the definition of creation, that paradox. We're completely nullified, completely unified, and yet completely disconnected. As if, as if completely oblivious, as if nothing happened. As if it's the most natural thing in the world. Creation is the most unnatural thing in the world. Materialism, ego is the most unnatural thing in the world. And yet, it feels so natural, as if it's the most natural thing in the world. Completely disconnected, divorced, no rhyme, no reason, no source, no creator. It's the most astonishing thing. <laughs> Only God could come up with something like creation. <laughs> this paradox, it's so paradoxical. We should be dancing from the rooftops. We should be jumping out of, jumping with joy. We should be jumping out of our skin. We realize the, the miracle of creation that's happening each and every moment. You're looking for God. You don't need miracles. You don't need splitting of the sea. You don't have to go far. You don't have to go to heaven. This reality. When you take a cup of water, this cup of water is more miraculous, is more divine, is more astonishing than the splitting of the sea. And yet we're completely oblivious as if nothing happened. That's, that's the most astonishing of all. Completely disconnected, completely oblivious. Because it's sugism, because it's a different reality. It's a different. It's, so there's no closeness. It doesn't affect us. The ila, the cause and effect. The cause has an effect on the effect, and it humbles the effect. And the effect becomes a student and is open and receives. We are created by God in the creative divine energy, and we're not humble. We're completely oblivious, as if as if as if nothing happened, as if as if. Because it's, there's no connection. There's no, we live in a different reality, different universe. There's no relation between the divine energy and the creator. And the physical and the material. Even with respect to their intrinsic nature and essence, there is not such a great distinction between Ayla and its Elul. Except that one is a cause and the other is an effect. They're not so far from each other. They're pretty close to each other. The teacher and the student... Yes, this is the teacher, clearly the teacher, and this is clearly the student. This is clearly the mother, and this is clearly the child. This is clearly the effect, that which precede, the, uh, the cause which uh, precedes and is greater than the effect. But nevertheless, they're close. They're not so far from each other. 
it's one rung, so you progress to the next rung, but they're still close to each other. They're not so dis. The um, Ayla and Elu of intellect and emotion serve as a perfect example. Essentially, emotion is already to be found in its source as emotion within intellect. <coughs> the emotion within intellect. Even before it exists alone as a distinct entity. But though emotion within intellect exists in a different manner from pure emotion, they are in essence the same. Like the, the child is in the mother's womb, and then the child emerges. So you have the emotions within the intellect. Intellect is abstract. I understand an idea. So it's abstractly, I'm just thinking about the idea. Then there's emotions within the idea, which is a certain movement in the idea towards you know, guilty or not guilty, or, or, or something I should desire, or something I shouldn't desire, I should be afraid of. So it's not an emotional level yet. You're not feeling any emotions. You don't feel a love yet or a hate. Emotions is very personal. I love or I hate. I like or I don't like. It's very emotional in the heart. It's very, very clear, very specific. In the intellect, the intellectual person, he's not yet feeling the emotion. But in the intellect, there's already, embryonically, there's already a movement, a conservative, liberal, you're moving towards this direction, that direction, towards um, being lenient or towards being strict or towards realizing this is something I should embrace, this is something I, sh- I should like. So you don't yet feel the emotion, but there's a lenient, a leaning towards that. So that's what we call the emotions in, in uh, an embryonic state, like the child is in the mother's womb. It's still part of the mother. So it's essentially intellect, but it's the beginning, the seeds of the emotion. And then it gives birth to a full-fledged emotion. Where the heart is on fire, I love, and I'm passionate, and I'm drawn to this, this is good for me. Emotions is about me. I love this. Is this good for me or is it no good for me? I hate it. I'm threatened by it. I dislike it. It's no good for me. It is good for me. So it's, it's, it's all about me. Intellect is pure abstract. It's not, I'm not thinking about myself. I'm thinking about the idea, the concept. So I'm not yet taking it to heart. But nevertheless, there, embryonically, I, I, the seeds of emotions begin to form. This is something good. This is something that's attractive. This is something that you should love. And this is something that you should stay away from, which leads to a full-fledged emotion. So they're not so difficult. So they're still in the same category. It's all emotions. It's about your relation to the thing outside of you. But you have the way it is in in an embryonic state. Like, you know, the mother's pregnant with a child. The child's in the mother's womb. And then you have when it's it's fully formed and it emerges as a full-fledged independent uh, being. When the emotion comes out in the full-fledged, I love it it's good for me, or I'm attracted to it, or I hate it. So, but nevertheless, they're not so distant, they're not so far apart. The emotions within the intellect and the, and the full-fledged emotion, they're not so far apart. So therefore, there's a relation, there's a connection, there's a closeness. Yet, neither partially nor minimally resembles the distinction between the essence of a created substance and the essence of the energy and light that flow into it created from ayin to yesh. Ayin and yesh are inherently and entirely different. The ayin does not exist at all in the manner that the yesh does. This is why creation is called precisely yesh, the ayin, something out of nothing. 
For although even the created yesh is aware that everything derives from you, it nevertheless calls its source I am, for the two above mentioned reasons. The source does not exist in the limited world of the creature's comprehension, and it does not exist in the same manner as the yesh. Okay, so we'll stop here for this week. And next week we'll continue. The plot thickens. <laughs> Any questions? Any questions? Why are we done? What is we're not connected to anything. Well, davening is to connect. That's the meaning of davening. Tefillah in Hebrew comes from the word to connect because you want to consciously connect. The truth is we are connected. The truth is we're so connected. We're intimately connected. The truth is we are nothing and we're completely connected and unified within the absolute unity of God. But we don't feel it. We want to feel that connection. That's what davening is. Davening is that we should feel, experience, be conscious of that connection. We should become centered, focused. And once you consciously feel that connection, your whole entire day will be different. You'll be motivated to do Torah and mitzvot. You'll do it enthusiastically and passionately, not like a burden uh, an obligation it won't be like paying income taxes. It'll be like you're doing something joyfully and passionately, and you'll stay away from anything that's ungodly, and uh, you'll run away from anything that disconnects you from godliness. So it's key. Prayer is key because if you don't feel that conscious godly connection, that egolessness, that nullification, that unification with Hashem, then Judaism dries up. Judaism becomes very, very technical and mechanical, soulless joyless, passionless, just a bunch of rules and laws and burdens that don't fit in with my lifestyle. And, but when you're connected and you, you become centered and focused, your whole life, that becomes your life. Your life is godliness. That's our truth. That's our essence. That's our substance. That's the reality of everything. The reality of everything is godliness. And that's a Jew's mission through Torah and Mitzvah to reveal the truth, to uncover the truth that everything is truly godly. Every time you do a mitzvah, you're taking a part of the world and turning it into something godly. We're elevating the godly sparks throughout with our engagement, interaction with the world around us. So you, suddenly your whole life becomes centered and focused with a sense of mission, a sense of purpose. Everything that you're doing is godly and Jewish. Not only when you're standing in the shul on Shabbos, 24-7, I'm standing in my office. Whatever I'm doing is part of my, my Jewishness, my Yiddishkeit, my connection with Hashem. I'm elevating the spark. So life becomes unified. You have a theme in your life. Your life is centered and unified. Like a book. You can have a very com- complicated book, a thousand-page book, but it has one theme that connects all the characters, connects everything that happens to us. Our life is so fragmented. We go through so many things in the, in the course of one single day. There's no connection. The juice you're drinking in the morning and the paper you're reading and your career and your family and coming to a Torah class, it's like disjointed, compartmentalized. But when you daven, when you become consciously connected and focused and centered, suddenly your whole life is one theme. There's one theme to your life because there's one theme to reality. There's one theme to Torah and mitzvah, to being Jewish. There's one theme to all of existence and that's Hashem and godliness. And that's our mission, to reveal godliness by first revealing it to your consciousness. You can't reveal godliness if it's not revealed in your heart and in your mind in your soul so, so that's what davening is so central that's why you have to start the day with davening before you do anything before you do business before you do anything else you have to start with davening you have to be centered and focused and conscious you reveal godliness with inside of you and then you can reveal godliness throughout your day wherever you come in contact with 
you're illuminating the world and revealing godliness. One question. When you're talking about creation, you're talking about everything. But then here, when you're really describing the class, you're mainly talking about people because you're talking about ego. So you, you can't say that the rock has its own ego or the, the cow has its own ego when it's yes. working on it. it, it well, it does. Everything in this world, what's the most powerful force in this world? From the amoeba on up, everything is continue self-preservation, continue its existence. I exist. The rock is the ultimate. I exist. I'm, you can stand there for a thousand years, doesn't budge, doesn't move. I am. That's all the rock is about, is I am. The rock has nothing else. At least the tree grows. It shows, shows some signs of something spiritual. It's growing. The miracle of growth, even though even the growth is just growing its body, it's, it's expanding its trunk, it's expanding its being, its existence. But the, you see some signs of life. With a stone, you don't see any sign of life. All you see is its announcement. I am. Do me something. I'm here. Sue me. I exist. So it's all about just being, for the sake of being. That's it. So everything in this world is about ego in that sense. Ego, I, I am, that's it, period. To be continued. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.